Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. My name is Bree. I will be your host today, and I'm here with Carlos from Cummings Combat Sambo in Panama City Beach, Florida. What's up, Carlos? How are you today? Hey, what's going on? I'm glad to be here. Glad to be on here. Hey, I'm just glad to be here today. Awesome. We're glad to have you. Thank you so much for taking the time. I appreciate it. All right. Hey, no problem. No problem. You know, I say when I'm doing something, I'm going to do it. So let's do it. Absolutely. I love it. All right. Let's jump right into this. So what is it that made you want to own your own facility? How did you get started? What's the story? Okay. So basically, basically bare bones. Um, I was, I, I always wanted to run my own business. Even my wife, she, she used to tell me, she was like, you can't work for nobody. She said, you need your own business. She said, because you're ready to fuss and cuss people out at will. And I was already doing, and I was already doing uh, martial arts with my instructor and stuff. And, and I, that's, that's what kept me out of trouble a lot. Martial arts mm-hmm. did. So we, I was doing it, kept going, been years. And then around i say 2002, 2000, me and my wife started traveling. I started meeting other people in the martial arts, you know, abroad, you know, other places, you know. And when I found out, I, when I got back here to Panama City, because Panama City is more like a, a seaside, you know, town for spring mm-hmm. break. You know, they're known for spring break. Yada. And it's it, it, we needed something here like this. Well, I rented a space from this guy, uh, a Kempo Jiu-Jitsu. It was a Kempo Jiu-Jitsu, but I'm more of an MMA type guy, you know, grappling, striking, you know, and mm-hmm. I started there. I was the first uh, person to bring uh, basically grappling and mixed martial arts to Panama City. Okay. And, and basically, after, after he started shutting down and stuff like that, I moved on to Panama City Beach. At this time, I was in town, so it was just right across the bridge. And I started my own thing up. And after that, it just grew from there. I mean, we, we had the good times because this was around 2006. And okay. we, had a great, we, had, we had a great time. We had, you know, because it's mostly, like I said, as well, it's a military town, too. We got the Air Force on one end, Indian Air Force in Fort Walton. We got the Navy base, you know, in Panama City Beach. So mm-hmm. we had a lot of military personnel to come train with us, special, you know, some special op guys. Well, you know, they uh, short duty, they'll come over and train. So it was great. It's just, like I said, um, when the pandemic hit, you know, like we fast forward it now, when the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. it went from I'm having almost 100 students to almost maybe 20. Wow. Because of that in the kids' class, I had more like 30, 40 kids. Now I'm down to maybe 15 at the most now because of the pandemic. So it did, mm-hmm. it made a, a impact for sure. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So now we'll touch on that again momentarily, but as far as your business model goes, how are you structuring things within the facility? Are you offering, I'm guessing a lot of group classes, uh, any semi-privates, any private sessions? How does that work? We try Right, right, right. We're doing it all. We're just trying to maintain. We're doing it all. We're, we got group classes. Hey, we even got uh, 
uh, sambo uh, and martial arts per se, martial arts for disability. Okay. We do martial arts for disability people too. Yeah, the people that, that can't hardly breathe, some of them, you know, had a traumatic effect behind COVID. Someone come in, you know, you know, for the disabled, you know, trying to give back to the community. We mm -hmm. do that on Saturdays. And my assistant instructor, she does that with all of them. So we got that going. We do privates. Um, like I said, we just trying to maintain, we trying to be above water at this point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And now with that, are you doing general fitness classes as well? Like any type of like high intensity interval training or like anything for like yeah, the general <laughs> population? Yeah. Yeah, we do a game. We do a we, we do a beanbag uh, tennis ball game per se, just to warm up. Because you know, a lot of the guys I have are, you know, you know, judo, jujitsu, sambo, uh, fighters. So we really we do interval trainings with this ball I have. And if you drop the ball, everybody suffers. They got to do intervals and everything. If you drop the oh, ball, oh no! <laughs> and they hate that. That's why when they they try to hide the ball when I come in, and I'd be like, hey. Hey, give me the ball. Where's my ball at? We don't know where it's at. And then I'd be like, damn it, give me the ball. You got the ball. You better give it to me. So That's they, awesome. They're, they're, ter they're terrible. I, I, I love them and hate them at the same time. Yeah, right? That's awesome. Right. So now, is um, it sounds like you have a large portion of the facility that's for kids, for kids training. Yeah, we uh, well, we're connected. My, the way the gym is set up, we're connected to uh, a gymnastics plus, a gymnastics facility. Okay. So ours is connected, it's shaped like an L. So we're part of the line of the L side, they the long side, we're the short side of the L. And they they had a lot of kids too, you know what I'm saying? They just not coming back because it's a gymnastics plus facility. You know, they're they gonna have more than us because they're going over there, flipping, tossing, whatever. With my kids class, when we first started out, I didn't even want to do kids like two or three years ago. I didn't want to do, I didn't yeah. want to do kids up to, like I said, two or three years ago. Never did kids because I was like, my, I was impatient. I didn't want to do it. You know, <laughs> and my assistant instructor was like, coach, you need to do it. You need to go ahead and do it. So, you know, when I first started, I wasn't expecting the turnout I did. Okay. You, you understand me? I didn't expect the turnout yeah. idea. So when we did the turnout, I was like, oh man, I can do this. And then yeah. even my wife and everybody was like, I told you so you should have been doing kids. I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, I'm not, I, I don't, I don't mess with kids. That's why I got my, my assistants to do it because they love kids. I'm a, I'm right. a terrible person. I'm a terrible person. <laughs> well, it's a lot. I mean, when I was a personal trainer, I used to teach a, a kid's class and it was like, it was at like three o'clock in the afternoon too. And it just took the life out of me. You know, that hour, it's like right. you're working with 12 or 15 kids at a time. It is like, it requires a lot. Um, and they're like, they're all yeah, over the place, exactly. you know? So yeah, it can definitely right. be challenging. So I completely understand that. Now, as far as, so obviously seeing how we've gone through this whole pandemic and lost a lot of the membership during that time, how are right. you now getting new people in the door how are you getting the word out there about your facility how are we going about the the marketing piece okay well 
we're we're absolutely we're absolutely doing a lot of stuff like you know this today this is the age of technology so we're doing a lot of social media uh i'm debating because i'm getting older now i'm debating on getting on tiktok i don't know about that crap yeah. i'm terrified <laughs> of that i'm pushing I'm, you know what i'm saying i'm over 40. he almost an old man on tiktok trying to promote i don't know about it <laughs> but, there are uh, no age limits <laughs> And that's the, that's the, that's the, I'm scared of that. Believe it or not, I got every social media known to man, except for that damn TikTok. Yeah. And everybody was like, go to TikTok and you're going to get more views. I'm like, damn, what happened to Facebook and Instagram and Twitter? I know. And I know. It's TikTok. So I've yeah. been doing TikTok. Uh, we do bring a friend week with the kids. Like you can bring a friend to see where we're at. We also do, um, we do uh door, you know, door handlers, you know, we go to different businesses and stuff and you know, try to promote through their business. I mean, we're doing a lot of stuff pertaining to to try to get the kids in and adults. Like lately, I've been giving slowly a lot of adults coming in, like two at a time. Then it's a, a space in between, then one or two more people at a time. Mm -hmm. And then but we do, I had to split it up. One uh now I'm splitting it up. We do have a military only Saturdays that's it's military only Army Navy Air Force Marines Coast Guard um you know Air Guard uh we do that for one hour on Saturdays then we have the uh the dis disability classes right mm -hmm. after so okay. we're doing that it's just we just we got a lot of irons in the fire yeah yeah absolutely and now how many members are you currently serving now within the facility across the programs that you offer uh i'm gonna say maybe i'm gonna say between 40 and 60. and okay. i guess and just as giving you a take it may be less but right now i'm gonna say 40 to 60. okay and now this time of year is huge as far as goal setting goes and kind of planning for what's to come this year. What are your main focuses within the business for 2022? What are you looking to do? Uh, are you looking to grow? How are you going to get there? What are we looking at for the new year? Okay, we're looking. We're looking. Hopefully, we're looking to grow. You know, like I said, we're we're if because you know you got a lot of people, and I and I, I'm probably jumping ahead, but we got a lot of people that are still worrying about that virus. Yeah. And and that's that's the biggest hurdle right now. It ain't nothing else. It ain't it ain't you rarely hear about the flu now. You just hear coronavirus. Right. So when the kids hear that or the parents, basically the parents, because a lot of parents out there are, are cautious, they'll be like, well, you know, little Johnny is not coming back, you know, to martial arts class due to the virus. And I'm like, okay, well, come back when you can. I can't force them. So, you know, they'll leave and be gone for several months. And that what makes, and people do not understand this, but you do. Mm -hmm. When people start leaving, they don't understand the bills come on you then. Right. And I tell people this, that in the martial arts, or even which, what you were doing at the time, mm -hmm. we, we're recreational for the people that's in the working class. If that makes sense. Yes. Mm -hmm. we're, we're, we're recreational. So we're the first to go. Yes. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the hard part. We ain't a we ain't a, a, on how the importance level. This is like a hobby to them, but this is a livelihood for us. Yes. Yeah. And that's absolutely. The, that's and that's the gap we have on 
on the gym right now. That's the guy we have. Like I had a parent come in, they was with me a month and then coronavirus hit. One of our students had it, you know, he had it, but he told us that his mama let him stay home soon. And I do let my parents know who has it to let them know to, you know, to be careful and all that. Mm -hmm. They get into a frenzy. Oh my God, how long they had it? I said, no, she, she got him at the, she got him at home. Mm -hmm. Can you, um, I'm just letting you guys know. I try to be honest with them and not hold anything. Right. Them. Mm -hmm. And when I do that, they, they go into panic mode. Well, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to close the gym down? I'm like, well, I may close it down for a week. You know, yeah. because you can't, I can't keep closing. It's hard. I can't keep closing it. And then, and I'm paying out of pocket myself. The majority of the bills and the payments will come on the gym owner. You know this. I mean, right. you've been in this yeah. game long, longer than me, probably. And that's how it's playing right now. Even in the Oshkosh facility, uh, the actual gyms where you work out with the gym and the weights, it's, it's pretty much the same. We just don't carry weights. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, it's it's tough. And I don't think that people really take that into account, you know, especially if they're not business owners themselves. People don't even think about that aspect of things. Like everybody. Absolutely. Right. Everybody canceling their memberships. It, it all comes back on you. And people just they don't think about that. You know, a lot of times they just think about like, I can't do it right now, so I'm going to cancel. And obviously it doesn't affect them. But it's like, you know, in the grand scheme of things, if they don't continue with the service or they don't continue uh, with the membership, it's it's hard to even have a gym to come back to at the end of it all. You know, it's like, right. That's like, the thing that people don't really and not realize. including and not including. Keep in mind now, I forgot to tell you this. Keep in mind, because, you know, Florida is known for hurricanes. You know, we're yes. known for the hurricanes and stuff. Mm -hmm. And I, we're here where a 2018 Hurricane Michael hit. It was the category five. And everybody, it was on the news, everything on that. People tend to forget. My gym flooded then. When Hurricane Sally came through going to Texas, it flooded again. So I'm uh, coming back from two floods, virus, had to pay money to put my mats back in, uh, 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 boxing bags back in. I have to pay for all of that. And, but, and like I said, you agree to this, that... I tell people when you run in the gym with, or any type of business, it's like jumping out of an airplane without a parachute and hoping you land on your feet. Yeah, a lot of the times, yeah, especially the the last two, the last two years because it's Absolutely. been so unpredictable. Uh, it's been so hard with the restrictions. You know, it's like how how do you run a business like that? You know, it's, it's almost impossible in a lot of cases. Uh, so now, go ahead. And I think, and this is going to sound crazy. I think the way, the, way the, the way the pandemic hit the gyms, especially the gyms and, like you said, the businesses you wrote and want to run, I mean, that you did run, you mm -hmm. know, and all the stuff you done did as well as me. People, the big box stores like Walmart, I don't know if I can say that on there for copyrights. I don't know. Yeah. Walmart, uh, Target, them big box stores, they weeding people like me and you out because of, because of, think about it, we're mom and pop. Mm -hmm. If we, if we, if, if we at our gym fail, if we, me and you and everybody that's entrepreneurs, that are mom and pop entrepreneurs fail, 
That's it. That's it. You understand right. what I'm saying? That's it. Yeah. If mm-hmm. you fail at church, if you fail at podcasts, if you fail at, if I fail at my gym, this is it for us because every everything has to have a lot of money and a lot of revenue to generate to keep this going. And we're mm-hmm. we're we're just staying above water with this. We're doing this because we love it. Right. Yeah. We're doing yeah. it because we love it. We're not a big box store. Your podcast. That's why I, I, I love podcasts, especially like when he called me with this one. I'm like, I'm going to do it. He was like, <laughs> wow. Really? I said, I'm going to do it. Because think about it. You're starting something to want to build. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this because I've been, we've been out three times at my gym from mm-hmm. storms, coronavirus, and I'm still in there. Mm-hmm. Without my, believe it or not, without my wife, I would I wouldn't still be holding on because I'm running the gym. I do firearms classes here. I'm doing all of this, but I'm running a business and my wife, she's a nurse. She 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 keeps me grounded. If anything we mess up on or we need, she right. back up. People don't understand entrepreneurship. They don't understand how a gym runs. They don't understand, mm-hmm. they don't understand anything because we're outside of the box thinkers. So yeah. if we fail, there's no option for us to fail. Exactly. That's it. There's no right. option for us to fail. So when it comes to a gym like yours, like you said, you went from $100,000 back up to, you had to come back and get it from the mud. You got right. it from the mud to get it back to $100,000. Me, yeah. like I said, my gym has failed and came back, failed and came back again. I'm not going to be a millionaire in this. I'm mm-hmm. not. I already know I'm not. It's impossible in this time and era with social media, people putting out, you got kids that are Six years old entrepreneurs is making twenty four million a year. Yeah, <laughs> compared to me and you that grew up differently, right? Than than a ten year old. I mean, yeah. twenty four million a year. You would me and you would be sitting here talking to each other. No. <laughs> there you go. So that's why I say when he told me about the podcast, I said I'll do it. He was like, "Wow!" I'm like, "No, I'll do it." Mm-hmm. Because I understand that when people are trying to make their own way especially in the businesses that we're in. Right. We don't have an option. We don't have yeah. an option. Bill mm-hmm. is not our free. No, no, absolutely no. not. It's, you know, whatever you need to do to make it happen. And people don't get that. People that work jobs, people that work like nine to five jobs, mm-hmm. what, you know this as well as I know this. Well, why don't you just stop that and get a job? Yeah. Stop Stop the gym. You're like, what? That gym is a sinkhole. Why don't you just get a job? Okay, then, well, if I listen to you, I'll be just as miserable as you. Yes, exactly. There's no fun in running the gym, and then I got to go to work nine to five from a nine to five, and which nothing's wrong with that. Let me put that out there because I yes. want your podcast to drop. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. It's just, I don't like, number one, if I see something different with other gyms, that goes for gyms with weights, gyms that don't have weights, the martial arts gyms and stuff. I want to say, okay, I don't like how you do it. I'm, I'm just, a, I'm a black belt just like you. How about I go 20 miles this way mm-hmm. and start my own gym up and make it better and not learn from that aspect that you did? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm talking about. Right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So that's, that, that. I know I'm sorry I'm talking because I love doing it. That's I'm okay. No, it's good. <laughs> but, but it's the fact that people don't see what we see. No. People no, don't have vision. Not. Literally, think about it. If people have, if people was getting up every morning, 
going to work nine to five, going home, eating, eating food, being with your family, doing it all over again. It's nothing wrong with being with your family, but you become in a cycle. Mm -hmm. Like right now, you're a podcast. You love doing this. I love mm -hmm. doing what I do. Tell, right. tell me right now, could you, and it's wrong to say this again, can you tell me right now, if you had a chance, would you go back to a nine to five? No, I never then wanted you know, that. And guess what? You got to, somebody else, if something messes up on your podcast or my gym, it's our fault. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. It's our fault. Right. And it's not, somebody ain't got to fuss at you at your gym, ain't got mm -hmm. to say, hey, well, ma'am, why you didn't mop the floor? Right. It's my damn floor now. If I want yeah. to mop it, I know to mop it. It ain't, right. I ain't got to listen to Joe Smo tell me to mop my own floor, or you better mop it or you'll be getting red enough. You better right. mop it or you're going, or you're going to be, you'll be reprimanded, you know, reprimanded. Mm -hmm. You can't, I'd be like, no, I don't like, and that's what my wife said. She said, you, you, I couldn't work with you, Carlos, because you are, you, you, you want to play too much. <laughs> he says because I want to have fun at something. Yes, right. I don't want to. I don't want to be. I don't want that person. When you come in your job and I'm working at a gym or anything, and I'm like, okay, guys, here's the curriculum. Right. Well, what if what if your clients say, uh, can we do something different? Right. You know what I'm talking about. You don't. Yeah. Care. Yes. You know, can we do something different, or mm -hmm. can we do this, or can we do that? Yeah, but then if you constantly doing that same hamster wheel, right? I want I shoot myself. I kill yeah. myself right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's, that's something that thing. that's something that I always said, even from a young age. You know, I remember being eight or ten years old and looking at people in my life and and saying to myself, "I don't want that." No, you know, like the the normal. Uh, like you say, like nine to five, normal, just going through the motions every day. And again, if that's what you want, that's cool. But that's just not what I wanted. You know, I wanted more. Right. I wanted to do something different. Think about I, this. I, and I think about this sometimes. I think about this sometimes. And this, it, it goes right along what we're talking about too. <laughs> Picture marriages. Picture mm -hmm. marriages. You know, if we think it like this as entrepreneurs and trying to be adventurous at what we do, Mm -hmm. It'd be a lot of marriages saved out there if they think the way we thought. Mm -hmm. Think about it now, what I just said. If we set up here and be adventurous at our job or in our business, right. and we expect the unexpected, long as we ain't going into financial depression, long as we ain't going there, but right. if we're having fun at it, we're traveling, we're meeting new people on our time, we're enjoying great food. Look at the food channel. Look at all these people that are taking these cameras and going all over the world, making money off of it, and they're having the time of their life. Now, right. implement that to your, I tell people this, implement that to your marriage, and you taking your spouse with you to enjoy fine cuisines, going to different gyms, working out with different people, talking to people you had never thought you across a day in your life. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. I tell people, your marriage will last longer, boyfriend and girlfriend will last longer, fiance will last, because you're enjoying life. Exactly. At yeah. Gym. At your gym, your podcast, me and you would have never met if you didn't have this podcast. Right. Yeah. I didn't know you lived in up north. I didn't know that. I talked yeah. to somebody in Texas. Right. 
See what I'm yep. saying? Talk to him on the phone. We talked for a while. We loved it. Now I'm, I'm right here with you now. Yeah. The gym aspect of it, the gym aspect of it with us and you, what you do, I want to meet new people. I don't want to be, I don't want the regrets. Right. People that work 30 years in a, in a job, they see them same people every day. Yes. They mm-hmm. know who's, who's, who's cheating on their wives. They know who's, 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 who, who, who's working more hours than them, who's making more hours. And it's the same hamster wheel. Like I said, it's the exact right. same hamster wheel. Yes. And me and you right now, you, you do another podcast somewhere else. You can have somebody in Guam. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I talk to people food. on the other side of the world every day. Right. And that's what I'm saying. And the different languages uh, from Paris, France, Istanbul, Kazakhstan, mm-hmm. all those places right there. I love doing it. That's why I did a lot of podcasts. I have did a lot of podcasts from all over and I love it because that's why I say I'll do it. I jump at the opportunity <laughs> because I want to see another person that thinks like me. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And that's how you keep growing, you know, when you can, and that's why this podcast is a thing, you know, so that like-minded people can connect and share because a lot of times you kind of feel like you're on an island sometimes, because like you said, people just don't really get it. And especially in the gym space, if you're not in the gym space, you don't own your own business. You don't really get it, you know, and you don't know. Don't you, I hate when people say this, and it's wrong for me to say because a lot of people disagree with me, but you might agree with me. When people say, when I, 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 and Warren Buffett said this, I read a lot. I read a lot of Warren Buffett. Uh, I read a lot of stuff like Andrew Carnegie, if you know who Andrew mm-hmm. Carnegie is. Yep. Uh, Think mm-hmm. and Grow Rich. I think about stuff like that. I read stuff like that. And Warren Buffett said this one day in an interview, and it made sense about entrepreneurship, right? and it goes into gyms, podcasts, everything you want to do. He took a loan out. He took a loan out. The first house, the house he's still living in, he took a loan out. And the guy said, did you pay off your house? He said, no. He said, wait a minute. Warren Buffett didn't pay off his house. He said, no. He took that $100,000 and bought majority of the stock in Brookshire Hathaway. Yeah. Because he owns Brookshire Hathaway. Mm-hmm. He owns it. And he said, I took it all and bought all the shares for Brookshire Hathaway. And he said, so what about your house? He said, uh, he said, I was behind a little bit. He said, but then now Brookshire Hathaway is worth $470 million. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. And he said, that's entrepreneurship. He said, yeah. you got to take a chance to enjoy life. Right. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing with my gym. Mm-hmm. Man, I've been behind every, every night. I've been behind on my mortgage once just mm-hmm. to keep the gym going. Right. My credit, my credit has took a tank. You know this. Your credit will take yep. a tank to try to come back mm-hmm. because you you want to be an entrepreneur. Then right. people start looking at you and saying, "Well, you're messing up your life. How? Yeah. I'm, at least I'm living it. I'm taking a chance. Exactly. Yeah. So my gym, so my gym right now, is it at the best? Not really. Because entrepreneurship, and you know this, entrepreneurship will make you not lie to yourself. Oh yeah. Makes you look in the mirror, that's <laughs> for sure. Mm-hmm. So the gym right now, is it at the best? Not really, not like it was before the pandemic, mm-hmm. but we're pushing along and I hope we make it here in the next two or three years and I'm gonna keep pushing with it. I love doing what I do. I love right. 
seeing people. I love to see people and the kids smile. I do love that. I love teaching people. Me and another uh, martial arts uh, school that teamed up. That's how we got it. We teamed up and we, they come to my gym and I go to theirs. Right. Just for us to have a big group together. And they on, we're on different sides of the spectrum. He teaches one style that's similar to my style. And I teach a style that's similar to his style. And we, on, and we bring it together just to keep this thing going because he understands entrepreneurship. Exactly. Yeah. You need to have that so, network yeah. of like-minded people that you can connect with. Yeah, I'm sorry I'm talking too, too much because it's, That's I'm okay. passionate about it. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. Uh, one last thing that I wanted to ask you about that I always love to ask every gym owner that I speak with is if you could provide a piece of advice to somebody who is considering, and I think I know where this is going to go, but uh, considering opening their own facility, what would that be? Well, that would be, <laughs> and you know what I'm going to say. Make sure you have your finances in order to run a gym. Mm -hmm. When you meet people like me and you're talking, we meet we meeting each other. It's good to laugh with other people. Yes. But once you go back to your space and you got to do or deal with the struggle, and you got to go back to your the person got to go back to their space dealing with their struggle, it's totally different. You put, put right. it this way: you put on a smiley face to quit from crying. Yeah, yeah. And you have to, you know, most days you have to, because you can't let that show in your facility. You know, your members are coming in. You no, have to, you don't understand. You have to. They, they don't understand. That's why I said, when you start a business, I'm going to let them know this now. Two things. You start, well, three things. You start it because you love it. Mm -hmm. You start it because you want it to grow to something. Number two, financial. Number three, if you're in a relationship, or you single, whatever. But if you're in a relationship or you got a family and you're thinking about stepping out on faith, make sure your partner knows the consequences. Mm -hmm. Make sure them three. If you got them three in order, you'll do good. But out of them three and one fails, it's going to collapse. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So make sure you got those three. Make sure you come in with the ideal set of, because I've been doing this for over 15 years. And make sure that your partner, when you look at them and say, hey, baby, I want to start a business up. This is what I'm thinking about doing. This is my five-year plan. Mm -hmm. This is the five-year plan. Do you think we can do it? Or do you have my back to do it? Because that's a strain on your relationship, especially when you run in a gym. When you yeah. run in the gym, like I said, it's recreational. It ain't nothing of importance to nobody. We're not in NASA. This is not NASA. This is not the Pentagon. We're us. We come in to make people stress out. They ain't got to worry about being told what to do, but by us and have fun and laugh. You know how it is as a personal yeah. trainer. You got to make them feel comfortable because if you push them too hard, they will not come back to you. Right. So yeah. that's my advice. Those three things right there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's definitely some important things to keep in mind that a lot of times people don't consider in the beginning you know a lot of people just kind of jump right into it and then uh yeah, those things come up it. along the way so and just think about this one more thing think about this think about in the next i'll say the next 10 or 15 years give or take where would you your podcast be and where will i be mm -hmm. you we don't know I don't know if I say, oh, I'm going to give it up and go to another venture. You don't know if you say, oh, the podcast, uh, I want to go do this now. 
So we got to look at a, a 10 to 15 year span of where we're going to be at as well, because mm -hmm. technology and the AIs and all of this is moving forward every day. Yes. So yeah, we have to take that in consideration too, and how we can adapt to it. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, having the freedom to do so is another piece of that, you know, being an entrepreneur, you have that freedom, you can adapt and pivot and do something else if you want to. So that's, that's a nice piece of that as well. So now as we start to wrap up here, where can the listeners find you on social media? Uh, the, they, you can find me under Cummings Combat Sambo Mixed Martial Arts Academy. Uh, you can find me on uh, Instagram at, Carl, at Combat Carlos. Uh, and on uh, Twitter, you can find me at Combat Carlos. Um, and you can find me uh, on Facebook again at Carlos Cummings. All so right. Yeah, not Twitter, but TikTok. 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 <laughs> That's I'm the next step. You got to figure that out. I'm scared because a lot of people are going towards it and they're doing things. It's just that sometimes a lot of people, when I throw it out on Facebook and I was like, I'm thinking about starting a TikTok. And then a lot of my friends that are my age, they'd be like, what are you, 16? Well, don't let them hold you back. <laughs> I know. I think I'm going to go ahead and do it. I think I'm going to go ahead and do it. Yeah. That's, that's the way it's, uh, the marketing is trending now between that and, um, Instagram reels. Right. So TikTok and Instagram reels are the, the two hot ones right now. So, yep. That's, that's the direction we got to move in now. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, Carlos from Cummings Combat Sambo down in Panama City Beach, Florida. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It's been awesome having you on the show. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. To all the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you will be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, keep killing it out there and we'll catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer, and make more money, head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. We talk to real gym owners who are in the trenches doing work, changing lives. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, Ray Catanio from Infinity Personal Training in Allen, Texas. How are you doing today, sir? I'm doing well. How about yourself? Fantastic. Doing what I love, living the dream here talking to gym owners all day. So let's hop into it. Tell us about Infinity, this thing that you've built over the last 10 years, uh, definitely has a life of its own and it's still growing, but bring us back. What was the inspiration to do it and, and bring us to where we are now? What type of studio you are, what you offer, all that. Yeah, I, uh, so I actually have a, a weird background. I have a background in sales and went to school for uh, finance, did sales at a college. And then uh, long story short, my wife and I worked in the corporate world for one to two years, got sick of it, quickly figured out we weren't meant to work for other people um, and were innovators and, you know, just people, people at, at heart. 
at the same time, we were also very passionate about health and fitness, which led to me training part-time uh, way back in 2009, 2010. And then we moved to Texas. Uh, I actually worked for somebody first uh, before, you know, opening up our, or taking over a, a location. And back then we were primarily just one-on-one -on -one training, started out with around 30 to 50 one-on-one -on -one clients, um, and then started growing and the rest is kind of history. Now, today, or currently we do one-on-one -on -one training. We do semi-privates of three to four, and then large groups of 10 along with uh, nutrition coaching and more of a, a holistic approach to personal training and wellness. That's a great way to condense a little <laughs> over 10 years into, into about a minute. I appreciate your ability to do that. So I want to talk about the business model that you have right now. You're very high touch, high service, personal training, uh, semi-private in up to four people per trainer, and then small group. And everybody has different interpretation of this. You max out at 10. Yeah. So I want to know, did you ever consider anything in the larger group space? And if not, or either way, how did you arrive at those three kind of stratifications and figure out those are going to work best for you and your clients? Yeah, so we, we tested in the beginning after, so once we had the one-on-one -on -one thing down, uh, I knew the market was moving towards group. I mean, that was seven, eight years ago. And then we actually tested groups of four with different price points. Then we tested six. And to be honest, it didn't really work out that well uh, seven, eight years ago. And I think it was just a price point issue or, or perhaps a marketing or uh, what's the word I'm looking for, um, positioning in the market issue. Mm -hmm. uh, then we, we scaled it up to six to eight people. And that's when things started kind of kicking off. That seemed to be a sweet spot in terms of us being profitable in that program, as well as attracting uh, enough people to actually fill that program. Um, and then, you know, semi-private, we've more recently, once we, I guess, positioned ourselves with group and one-on-one, -on -one, we more recently created that in-between program because we've get, we have a ton of one-on-ones and there was no transition for them. You know, when only so many people can afford to pay, you know, six, seven, eight, $900 a month. Uh, long-term. So semi-private was kind of birthed from that. Absolutely. So yeah, it is good to be aware that just because something, maybe the market wasn't ready, there hadn't been enough understanding of the product seven or eight years ago, doesn't mean you just throw it away, right? You work on, continue to refine your offerings, stay true to your core values, and then look at what the market's dictating and what you can provide and here you are, you know, some years later, probably, I'd say maybe 2018 seems to be about the time when semi-private training started to gain a little momentum. Uh, and then it gained, and then it gained some more. And then that weird pandemic thing happened. Yeah. And, uh, you know, thankfully being in Texas, you weren't one of the more harder hit areas. It still sucked. But yeah. if there were any silver lining in the cloud of COVID, it's been that people say, you know, have had to by force or by law limit how many people they can train at once. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden people say, Ooh, more attention. This is cool. Yeah. All right. this, is, this is worth a little bit more money. How do I keep doing this? So 
Yeah. There have been some upsides there, but you had to stay the course. You had to stick around and see it happen. Right. And I, I was going to say, I think uh, these larger group facilities that popped up, the franchises like Orange Theory and, and uh, F45, I, I think that they have helped, you know, honestly put some more or shed some more light towards the semi-private side. Because I think a lot of people are going to those facilities and quickly finding out there's not as much um, attention or, you know, form correction and accountability, uh, you know, more on the service side. Don't get me wrong. It's a great, those are great facilities for some people, uh, 100%. But I think a lot of people need more than, you know, just a coach uh, to run you through a workout, if that makes sense. So I think that's yeah. helped grow our, grow our facility as well. Absolutely. And I think another thing that whether it's talked about or not enough, I, I think maybe not that some of these franchises have done is come in with, you know, because they're, they're venture capital backed or public companies or different things like that, they're out to make a profit. So their price points have helped push everybody up. You know, someone, someone's paying $200 a month to go to Orange Theory if they can actually relate to, all right, this is what I want from a customer experience standpoint. I will pay this. It's shown all the other gyms like, all right, people will pay this for group fitness that whether you believe in the model or not or whatever, it's it's a good introductory off the couch to get people to say, all right, I do want to do fitness. This is cool. I'll pay this much. All right, good. And then kind of whets their appetite. You know, I would like a little more attention. I'm already paying 200 a month for group. Maybe I'll pay $400 a month for semi. So the price anchoring where you still have, we talk to gym owners every day who give, you know, it could be a CrossFit, it could be a strength and condition facility. And they're, they're doing large group with really thoughtful programming, you know, maybe 15 people and they're afraid to charge a hundred, $120 a month right. and, and they're struggling. So at least they're setting a bar to where people can look and say, all right, they can get this. I truly believe my service is better. That's subjective. But if you believe it, it helps you believe that people, there are people that will pay it yeah. and in the domino effect from there is, has been pretty phenomenal. 100%. I agree with that. So you have, you have that and you're in a, as you say, a, maybe not, um, you're not in a, uh, a depressed economic area, right? The demographics where you are, probably support those similar franchises, Orange Theory, F45. So that was something that you went into when you decided on your location, right? You knew this is what I want to offer. This is where I'm going to be. Yeah, we when we moved, uh, we were looking for areas that were sort of thriving. So we're, we're in, uh, in Collin County, Texas is, is absolutely booming right now. Uh, it's definitely a more affluent area. So um, you know, in terms of wealth, success, et cetera, you know, it's a, it's a great area to be in, which has definitely driven our success. Um, but at the same time, you still need to do your, your homework on demographics and what these people want uh, in terms of services and things like that. That's why we, we actually added uh, within the last three years, we added genetic testing and micronutrient testing. Um, you know, so we're able to do some more customized lab and blood work as well. Uh, for people that want to take optimization up to a whole nother level as well, right? Which would, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be supported in every single market though. Right, right, for sure. And I do want to get into that and you kind of, you let us in nicely. You have your training aspect, but 
you once you got that nail down, right? You know, all right, we have training. This is our bread and butter. People know they need to work out. You realize that there is a need to get better client results, to add more value, and also, right, to grow your business from a revenue standpoint. If you can add value, you can charge for it. What are the other services that you've layered on in the years that you've been there? Yeah, so we we do nutrition coaching. Um, we offer our model is either biweekly or monthly. Uh, I actually have two nutritionists on staff that are you know degreed. It wasn't always that way, to be honest. For the people, because I know some people listen and be like, well, not everybody can afford that. Um, I used to do a lot of it. My wife used to do a lot of it. We went through phases of the the trainers doing it. And to be honest, I've figured out that most trainers are just not as passionate about nutrition uh, as, say, a nutrition coach or nutritionist would be. Um, so that's one component that we we uh, we commonly bundle it up front into memberships for you know new clients coming in. So we we rarely don't recommend someone start with that, um, but we also have an a la carte option, you know, for them to drop it. And then we do sell supplements at our facility. Um, more of the proven stuff, you know, Douglas Labs, Pure Encapsulations, uh, some of the companies that, that have medical boards and things like that. Uh, and then the, the genetic testing, micronutrient testing. Uh, we also do um, a cardiac risk assessment called LPP, which is it's basically a more in-depth uh, analysis on the cholesterol side of things. So, you know, a lot of times our clients are, um, not a lot of times, so most of our clients that stick around with us the longest 45 plus. So these are people looking and paying attention at their health long-term. Um, and, you know, we've seen some things that aren't really paid attention to by, I'd say the standard uh, Western medicine doctor. Um, so we've captured some holes there, if you will, where we can add value for those people. Absolutely. And was each one of these things layered on and to the point where you felt like you had it strongly managed and handled before you added the next one or have you ever you know all right i'm going to do two or three things at once and and see what happens like how methodical has the process been of adding these things yeah it's i always say you know with other business owners speed kills so i like to implement fast and then test tweak and change fast um, I would say we tend to focus on one to two things, but we, we do it quickly though. I think a lot of people wait and are afraid to, you know, implement things or change things. Um, you know, where my wife and I are not afraid of change, you know, we're very, as, as I'm sure any entrepreneur is right. But, um, in answer to your question, I would say we, we tend to make sure certain things are solidified in certain programs or aspects of the business before we just jump into a, a new thing. Cause you, you don't want to, you don't want to rip the bandaid off and then have to, you know, basically what happens is you'll have to take on more time and hours and it's, and then everything is a mess and you have to kind of come up, come from behind and clean everything up, which takes a lot, a lot more manpower, a lot more bandwidth versus if you do it methodically and kind of plan a little bit, uh, you won't have those, those headaches to jump through. Yeah. So you're avoiding that shiny object syndrome. You know that if there's an opportunity, there's something that you can do to add more value to your clients. You're going to explore it, but you're going to make sure that you don't have any fires you're fighting first. Like you're not afraid to go in and do some trial and error. 
as long as the rest of the house is in order first. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. The imper imperfect action beats perfect inaction, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you've got uh, a pretty large staff, all things considered, you know, something that you've grown with the seven trainers and the two nutritionists. And I'm sure that, you know, has happened as things have grown, but it sounds like you have a really high emphasis on quality, you know, trainers that come in with a, a background of more than just a cheerleader per se, or somebody who's got, you know, one cert that they got online in a weekend. So what's your process been for finding and developing new trainers, new staff members? Yeah, so that, that's evolved over time. Uh, currently, we have a actual course that we take all of our staff through. So we, we've developed our own methodologies. But to be honest, uh, I've found that most trainers don't actually use the stuff they're certified in. So we've kind of gone back to, you know, who is who has the, their stuff together in terms of the certification world. Um, so we'll pull from NASM a lot. Uh, as a foundation, because we we tend to get guys that are um, have degrees in kinesiology or exercise science, and we like to hire people that are you know that have been training a little bit, so say two years or so, but they're not extremely experienced because uh, they tend to you know be sponges in terms of learning. Um, other than that, you know we we just stick to the the basics. I think the biggest thing is teaching. Uh, customer service and systems and processes for, you know, goal setting and follow through and holding clients accountable and tracking things. Uh, I've found that a lot of trainers are just very disorganized and don't, again, don't use what they were been, been taught. Not that the textbook is always the right way to go. We, we, you know, it's that thing where you, you know, take, take what you need and make it your own. Um, we definitely do that, but there's a lot of great foundations that are taught in this industry that for whatever reason are thrown out. Um, now, in answer to your question in terms of development, uh, we do have, you know, and it wasn't always this way either, but having core values, having a vision, uh, having, you know, where's the company headed, having all that stuff down definitely helps with hiring because it, it, it helps you filter who belongs and who doesn't. Um, you know, our, our core values are strive for excellence, care more, live, live a healthy lifestyle and work hard. So if you come into our facility, you will see that all of my team embody that. Like there, there's no B and C players on my team. They're all A players. They all walk the walk, talk to talk. Um, and they kind of, you feel that vibe. So I think, you know, we've built that culture over the years, but I think that's, that's the biggest key because what it does is it scares new people that aren't ready or don't want to rise to that that type of environment um, but it also attracts winners you know people that that aren't afraid to work hard and, and really care and, and go above and beyond if that makes sense yeah absolutely and you know anybody who's got got their core values in line and knows that they're not going to waver on them to any degree is going to have a leg up and you know that may sound cliche you know core values and all that but everybody knows what things they have there and not that should be non-negotiable and once you start negotiating with yourself everything can can go go sideways pretty quickly so i like how you're steadfast in that and you know you started talking about systems and training and and having the ability to 
onboard people and have something that's replicatable. And that really has put you in a position to where you are looking at a second facility in the Infinity family. And so it sounds like you really have checked off all the boxes that you can feel like your house is in order there. And there's a need in, in your community or neighboring community for another facility like yours. So kind of talk us through, you know, at what point you realize that that's something that you wanted to pursue and what it looks like going forward. Yeah, I think, you know, we, we've hit a point where uh, things are great and, you know, our company can run, you know, pretty much on its own. So it's, I'm trying to create an opportunity in a different way. I think a lot of um, people in my shoes tend to expand and want multiple locations, or maybe they go the franchise model. Uh, I'm trying to create a system whereby I can take my higher level staff uh, that are ready for that next step and almost, not almost, but basically license our brand to them. So I, I'm using our, our hub, so to speak, to develop talent. And then the guys that rise, you know, through our system, know our systems and processes. I'm creating a licensing model where they can then go off and open up their own studio using our systems, processes, and our, our proven brand already. Uh, so our, our next location, that's what we're doing with, you know, two of my current staff. Uh, they're actually going to own the majority of this next location. And, you know, I'll be part owner, but it's more of a licensing deal where whereby they're, they're actually fully running the studio where, and I'm acting more so on a consulting side just to implement everything, you know, for that first six to nine month opening period. Fantastic. You know, that's the complete other side of the coin from something that we hear from a lot of fitness business owners is they say, you know, I had this, these people or this person and they worked for me for this long and all of a sudden they went out on their own and started their own place and took half of my clientele and some of my staff and they get super salty over it for lack of a better phrase. And a lot of times the answer is you probably just didn't create a good enough opportunity for them, whether it was by staying there or being the type of business owner who could give them what they needed. And, and that doesn't mean everyone who, who owns a facility has to figure out a licensing model, but you do have to realize that if you value your staff and you see all that stuff in them, somebody else may see it, they may see it in themselves. And you can either figure out a way to foster that and mm -hmm. try to help them and leverage it, or you can just sit back and complain that the world did you wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, I can't say that I didn't have that happen to me. That did happen to me probably eight, seven, eight years ago. Uh, I've had one or two of those, but you're right. I think back then I couldn't afford to pay what I pay now. Um, but I've strategically over the years <clears throat> implemented things that position us as a high quality uh, facility, which allows us to charge more. But, you know, I, I can't tell you how many, I think a lot of trainer or people switch from trainer to business owner and they forget about the little things like, you know, getting results and all those customer touch points. And, you know, what can you do to add value? What can you do to, you know, keep the customers happy? What can you do to over deliver? Uh, when you do those things, then you get positioned in the market as a, a higher quality facility, which allows you to raise your rates, right? Which is, that's always been my goal um, because obviously anyone can only pay so much, right? Which, but that's led us to where we are now, where I have, the, I currently have the, the highest quality staff I've ever had. 
because of where we come from. Now, was that like that five years ago? Absolutely not. You know, but we had to put certain things in place and develop people. Um, like I'll give you an example. I have a, a trainer that's been with me. Uh, he's going on four years. Uh, when he came in, didn't have a degree, didn't have any of the, you know, fancy background stuff. And we fully developed him. Now, is he an A player? 100%. But that's what we were hiring at that time four years ago. Whereas in the last two years, I've got guys, you know, with the, the bachelor's in kines and exercise science. And honestly, that are a little bit more on the intellectual side, but they, they're still personable. Right. So we've we've kind of shifted, if that makes sense. But those people will command more because they went to school for it and obviously came out of school with they know more. They have a, a, a larger, solid foundation. Yeah, that the self-awareness and the ability to not just say, hey, this is where we are, but without forgetting where you came from and knowing like, hey, somebody listening may not be at that point. Yeah, where you are right now doesn't dictate where you want to be, right? Just saying I want to make a million dollars versus saying like, hey, to in order to be this, I need to have these top flight trainers, I need to have these systems. And maybe I'm not there yet. But let me, let me plan to be that person and put those things in place. And let those results happen rather than just let me nickel and dime my way to see what you know, what will happen like you you don't have to discount your ability to get better. 100%. Yeah. And, and for everyone listening, you know, I, I used to clean the floors. I used to do everything. So I've done, you know, <laughs> the whole starting from the bottom thing. And, and a lot of my staff have grown through that with us. You know, now we have cleaners and, you know, now we always, the guys that have been with me six years, seven years that we always joke around, like the new guys have no idea how easy they have it. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, you put, it's, it's almost the same as like what, what generations have done for their kids, right? Is like, you, you want to work hard to, you know, to always give your kids or the next generations more, but it works in a business too. Like, Hey, you know what? You've been here, you've been day one, you clean the floor with me and eventually you're going to reap the benefits, you know, whatever those may be, but it doesn't mean that I don't want to give more as more employees come and, and be that more desirable place. So I, I love that point of view. So as we, uh, as we get close to being out of time here and need to wrap up, what I'm more interested in finding out is we have this franchise model on the horizon, probably a uh, license model, I should say, mm -hmm. coming out next year. What other things do you have in your plans, right? You haven't grown this big and, and been as successful without at least having your eyes on other things. So what other things do you see down the line for infinity? Is it more licensees? Is it, you know, different products or services and, and what challenges do you think might face you on the way? Um, yeah, I think, you know, we're going to use this one as a proof of concept first, get that one up and running. Um, I honestly think that we'll be able to scale it way faster than I did myself. And I think that's, that's kind of been the the holdup is you know as a as a owner yourself in the first one you kind of go through all these struggles and growing pains and then you you forget that all that stuff's in place now so that you you really won't make those mistakes again in the second location so theoretically it should go a lot faster right but you still have all those memories of all that stuff but i, I would say um that would be step one um outside of that you know, everything else I'm doing is honestly outside of the fitness industry, a lot of uh, investing, um, you know, I'm involved in real estate deals and 
a couple other uh, actually health health and um, health franchises that are food and beverage. Uh, one of them that's starting to take or um, get a lot of traction is Everbowl. Uh, so I'm involved in a, a couple of locations there, opening up in Vegas, Arizona. I think they're they're on their way to Texas. That's in the if you're familiar with the uh, Asai or Asahi berry, mm-hmm. yeah, they're bowls with toppings. They kind of exploded in California and they're expanding now. Um, yeah, outside of that, you know, I, I'm I'm also available. You know, if anyone needs uh, help or you know has questions on anything we do, I'm an open book. But, um, and I, I will say one other thing, I'm getting more into speaking as well. I just did a, uh, I just spoke um, at an Apex event. I don't know if you're familiar with Apex, ran by uh, Ryan Stuman. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He's down in, in uh, Dallas area, right? Yeah, yeah. I spoke to the, the entrepreneurs group on systems and processes. So was able to, uh, you know, just go through how we've, all the things you need to do to, to implement systems and processes properly, you know, so that you can have your business run itself and, you know, have accountability and, and still be able to obviously have it grow uh, with you not being there 24 seven. So kind of a move a little bit into the, I mean, it's speaking, but also, also into the consulting space too. Yeah, pretty much speaking or, or teaching. I'm, I'm more passionate about teaching than speaking. So, um, but I do enjoy it either way. <laughs> yeah. um, that's that's awesome, man. That's the the growth of an entrepreneur, right? To be able to get to that point where you have you have faith in your your main business, the thing that is your main source of income or has been, that's working. And then you can start finding other ways you can leverage your impact, touch other people's lives, help other people grow. Um, yeah. You know, that's that's kind of the entrepreneurial drive that is is within all of us i think that decide to go down that route not everybody gets to the point of being able to do it right and that's that's why we're here right it's one of the reasons we want to see people get past those sticking points and be able to you know maximize their potential so it's awesome to see see one of us out there doing it yeah awesome yeah and and like i said on the expansion side is one more thing I don't have any, the reason i don't have any interest in like setting this goal of like 50 locations or something like that uh, is because I believe in quality, you know, and I think what we've done speaks to that. And I don't think that you can expand that fast without uh, sacrificing quality a little bit. So I'd rather have, you know, three, four or five that are dominating their market versus this massive expansion play and kind of have everything either collapse or, you know, earn a bad reputation in one city and not the others, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So you said it you, uh, about people reaching out to you, but also people checking out your stuff. Last thing before I let you go, where can people find you? Where can they find Infinity? What are the social media hashtag or you know uh, the social media links and website, all that stuff? Where can we find you? Yeah, I'm on Facebook. Uh, just you know my name, Ray Catano, R A Y C A T T A N E O, and then my. Our facility is on Facebook and Instagram, Infinity Personal Training Allen uh, are the names. And then I'm also on Instagram as well. Same same as my Facebook handle, Ray Catania, no spaces or anything. So pretty simple. <laughs> awesome, man. I, I appreciate it. And you never know, you know, somebody might be listening to this and, and they want to reach out. And I think it's great that so many of our guests are willing to share as much as they can 
to see other people in the industry survive and thrive. So with that, we do have to let you go. I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. And to everybody out there listening, as always, we appreciate your time spending a little bit of your day with us. We hope you found this valuable. If you want to hear more episodes, hit that subscribe button. We'll notify you when new episodes drop. If you want to be on the show, if you want to share your entrepreneurial journey, your business model, click the link in the description, fill out the form. Someone from the team will get in touch with you as soon as possible. To everybody out there in Jim Lord's Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives, keep kicking ass. Jim Lord's out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income. You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords podcast, where we talk real business with real gym owners. I'm your host, Katie, and today I'm here with Robert Polenik, owner of Brutal Iron Gym in Rock Hill, South Carolina. How's it going, Robert? Hello, hello. Thank you for this opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for being here with us today. I'm, I'm super excited to chat about Brutal Iron. So let's hop right into it. Tell us a little bit about the gym and what kind of services do you guys offer? Okay. Um, I started the gym in 2011 and uh, it's, it's funny. I started it with the idea that I would train my clients in the facility. So I had like one-on-one kind of online clients Oh, actually in-person clients that I worked with around the town I was in, but I never had like kind of a home place to do it. So I'd travel to their gym or go to their house and I was teaching at the local university and I wanted to kind of do something to kind of build upon that. So I wanted to do the gym and I opened it with the hope that it would be a place that my clients could train at, but I'd also have a small membership to help cover the cost. So the gym's only 3,500 square feet, which is relatively small for a commercial facility. So I started doing that. And um, basically it started with the idea that I would help as many people or kind of cast a wide net, so to speak. So I got strongman equipment, bodybuilding equipment, uh, powerlifting equipment, athlete for sports athletes. And I figured uh, whoever shows up, I'll cater more towards that genre as the gym grows. Well, it actually grew equally in every direction. <laughs> so I had to continue to buy more equipment and continue to learn and specialize uh, kind of within everything. And so that's essentially what the gym is now is it's an open membership where people can come and do their own workouts. And if they feel comfortable with that, they're welcome to do whatever they need to do. They can put headphones in, kind of be in their own world, or they can leave headphones out and have a social connection and talk with other people. 
We also offer in-person training with myself and a couple other trainers who work at the facility. And then I also do online uh, training and online nutrition. So we're trying to, in a sense, be able to provide whatever a person might need. Mm -hmm. Whatever is going to help them get fit, we want to be able to provide them with that. Yeah, perfect. I like that. Just turning yourself into kind of a one-stop shop for everything. Yes, yes. It's a funny side note real quick uh, yeah. is I, I help clients compete in aesthetic competitions like bikini, wellness, figure, physique, classic physique, all the categories. There's like a million of them. And I actually know how to pose in high heels because oh, wow. I wanted to be like a posing coach and help clients with that. So I'm a very quiet type A personality in the sense to where <laughs> I want to invest into them and help them as much as I can. And when I first started client, uh, training clients for competitions, some of them would talk about the cost of posing. And I was like, well, I can help you with that. So I actually learned how to pose in high heels for the bikini poses. So I actually teach my clients how to do all the posing for all of the categories. <laughs> that's so cool. <laughs> yes. That's amazing. I mean, that's that's dedication right there to your <laughs> I love that. I don't think you could ask for anything more in a coach than that. So that's, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm, I'm excited to dig into what you guys are doing a little bit more. But before we do that, give us a little background on how Brutal Iron Gym came to be. You guys have been in business for about 10 years now. So, mm -hmm. so take us back to the beginning and let us know kind of just how you knew it was the right time for you to get into business for yourself. Okay. So this is the fun question because I feel like I have like the worst answer <laughs> um, one of the books that I've, I, I never read a business book until after I started the business. Mm -hmm. That's a downside. Uh, but it was basically once I started, I was like, oh crap, I got to learn about this so I can keep right. doing it. One of the books I read was E-Myth Revisited, which was recommended by a friend who owned a business. And I laughed because after reading the book, I realized I should not have opened the business <laughs> because I like doing the work of being a personal trainer, but I don't like anything else. Really. I don't like the accounting. I don't like all the other stuff, uh, but I do like being my own boss. <laughs> so when I trained at other facilities, there were things I liked about what they did, but there were things I didn't like. And over time of training at different places, uh, whether as a trainer or my own training, you start to kind of have an idea of what you would want if you got to build a gym. Mm -hmm. So I actually went to undergrad for a health and phys ed teaching certification. In the process of getting that, I realized I really like the students. I like the teaching aspect, but I don't like all the paperwork and I don't like you know, kind of anything else in the, in the, in the job. I just really like being with the kids and teaching. So I was like, okay, well, I could do that, but I thought about going to grad school. So I went to grad school for nutrition, thinking that I would learn more about kind of health nutrition, like how to do like maybe aesthetic nutrition. How can I get six pack abs or how can I build bigger muscles or sports nutrition? And what, it found, uh, what I found out was basically it was just how to feed sick people in hospital or how to have people like help people get good blood work which is important information but it wasn't what i wanted so i wanted to know more about aesthetics and like performance so i finished that degree and i was like crap i still don't have an idea of a career out of these degrees that i really wanted to do by that time as i finished grad school i was actually teaching at the university so i decided well you know i'm teaching and that's giving me some income i was also doing kind of in-person training randomly in town i was either going to people's houses or meeting them at a gym and i was like well maybe i can do that as like a, a, a 
extra business along with teaching at the university. It's something I already enjoy, something I already like. But where I grew up in Pennsylvania was a really small town and being a personal trainer or owning a gym wasn't thought of as um, like a profitable career. It was kind of something you did while you were building your career. So I started the gym as uh, actually I graduated my grad school degree in December of 2010. And I remember I went home the thank that Thanksgiving a week before finals and I told my parents I was like, eh, I think I might open a gym. <laughs> and they said really and I said yeah I'm gonna think about it more but I think I might open a gym and do that as I, as I teach. So I came back down to South Carolina, took my finals, went back up for Christmas, told them I was going to open the gym, and then I opened it in February of 2011, and here we are. <laughs> so yeah. it was actually more so a secondary thought, not as like a primary goal. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, very cool. That's, that's still like, that's a neat story that it, you know, started out as, you know, a secondary thing, but then just became your passion, so. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, okay, cool. So, you know, you guys opened 2011, you capped your membership within the first year, basically. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's pretty cool. Um, so, you know, everything's going along steady, it seems like up until, you know, 2020. <laughs> Let's yes. talk a little bit about that. Um, you know, obviously, the pandemic punched basically everybody in the face in the gym industry, a third of gyms closed entirely. Um, but you know, the awesome thing is you are still here. You are still helping people. So I think what I and our listeners want to know is how exactly did the pandemic affect your business and what kind of things did you do to stay afloat during that time? Yes, that was, uh, like, of, of course, very unique challenge. Um, <laughs> I got lucky in cer certain circumstances and then I made uh, what I believe are good decisions so far in, in uh, some some of it. Um, one of the things that helped a lot was when we when the city first decided to close gyms, I was notified that I would need to close. Uh, mm -hmm. At the time, and as what I do, part of what I do right now is I help people uh, with training and nutrition who have uh, kind of like PTSD, they might have eating disorders, there's other kind of conditions that relate to emotional and mental health. Some of them are recommended from a, a friend of mine who's a therapist, and some of them just like by like word of mouth, they kind of found their way to me. So I petitioned to the state to be able to stay active, at least in in-person training, since it was an emotional and mental uh effects. So these people would have been sent home with PTSD issues and a bunch of other things that they would not have been in a good place mentally and emotionally to be at home uh, without some kind of connection or anything. So I was actually able to keep the gym open. I was allowed to open the gym. So we actually only had to close for one day by the time I was able to get the acceptance and clearance to open back up. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of the members decided to still not come in due to the uncertainty of the virus, but I was very, very, very blessed. The majority of them actually kept paying the membership. That's so great. I was very lucky that they, in a sense, decided to give a gift to the gym and help us stay open with the hope that they would be able to come back to the gym. Mm -hmm. And that was a big blessing. And then I also started doing online work as a way to, well, it's kind of, it started organically where a client would say like, oh man, that's a bummer. I can't meet you like next week, or, you know, it's kind of too risky to meet in person. Do you think he would help me with at like at home workouts? Right. And I was like, sure, you know, we can 
maybe uh, you know do a Zoom or some kind of call station or see each other somehow every week. And then I can just write you workouts to do at home. Since I was already writing their workouts for the gym, it was an easy transition to just write based on whatever equipment they had at home. And then we kind of communicated via email. My, I actually am married now, but at the time I was uh, engaged with my wife and she told me about uh, Google documents. I actually didn't know about live documents like Google Docs and Google Sheets oh, and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, I was doing everything off like Microsoft Word, like I was in high school. So uh, she told me about that. So I started doing, uh, setting up all the clients with Google Docs as like a journal where they could write to me like what they were thinking, what they were feeling. I had them track in like food tracking apps. Uh, there's a million of them. So I just told them, pick whichever one you want. Let me know your username and password. So I would check in every week on their food. We would check in on the journal once or twice a week. I'd send them workouts. And that actually helped to sustain the financial income, but it actually started growing. And uh, word of mouth started going around. And also through the podcast I have, people were kind of tuning in and recognizing that that was an option for them. Mm -hmm. So I actually came out of 2020 making more money than I did going into 2020 due to the kind of transition of services. Uh-huh. Wow. That's, that's super cool to hear that. Well, one that you were able to stay open and that it really was just kind of a catalyst for your online training. Um, yeah. Cause I know you're, you're still doing that as well. Um, all right, cool. So now that we kind of know all of that, I did want to switch things up, get a little tactical in what you're doing in the business right now. Um, I know that you guys do cap your memberships at 100 and you, um, you know, you pretty much hover right around there all the time. Um, but talk to us a little bit about if you have at any point done any sort of marketing or how you have attracted clients to the facility. Yeah, that's uh, fun. Uh, <laughs> when I first started the gym, I had no money. So I had to take a loan out to get like some equipment. And uh, essentially, you, you started with negative money, and then you're trying to dig your way out. Uh, once again, I, I, this was what I just hoped would work. So definitely not the best approach, but it's what worked for me. Uh, so I couldn't afford when I started to look at like, okay, do I want to do a, a TV ad about the gym and I looked at costs and I was like oh my gosh I can't afford that then I looked at like newspaper ads and they were actually really expensive even though I didn't feel like newspapers were as popular anymore right uh, so I kind of went through like radio ads I was thinking through all like the the what I would consider kind of the basics or the normal things that you would think of and I couldn't really afford them and I also just didn't think that it was worth going further in debt for those things I just it didn't feel like I was going to get as much of a return now we even went as far as kind of printing uh like a little like just a one page advertisement of the gym and the services and i had my mom and dad and very good friends help me hand out around the city we put out a thousand flyers and i did it in ways that are i'm pretty sure are illegal so i just went into like apartment complexes and put them on all the cars and then i got calls later on that i shouldn't have done that <laughs> but it um it did not work we only had two people call back out of a thousand flyers wow. so that didn't work at all right uh so really the gym grew slowly and it grew entirely essentially through me training clients and clients referrals to other people i also cut my prices for in-person training i was training people for only 20 dollars an hour wow. which is insane right. so they had full access to the gym i 
train them twice a week. I wrote their all all their training program. I wrote every workout they could do, and I wrote all their nutrition stuff mm-hmm. for twenty dollars an hour. Oof. So that kept me busy. I was actually had fifty hours of clients a week, and then I still had to like clean the gym and do all the accounting and everything else that you should do. So really, the gym grew from word of mouth with my clients, and then if people drove by the gym, they thought it was a neat name. So they wanted to look like stop by and that got us some people. Mm-hmm. So that was really the only way it grew was through devoting to my current clients and hoping then that they got enough results that people would want to know what they were doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, all right, cool. So, you know, obviously you really just, other than the beginning, haven't had a huge need for marketing. Um, you know, do you guys ever end up getting a wait list? Yeah, we do. Um, I've been, I I do believe I've been very blessed in the sense to where I, um, I hope what I do is intelligent, but a lot of time it's just, I hope this works and then I try it. And sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. One of the, uh, I actually did not have Instagram, until after I opened the gym and I didn't have Facebook until I was like a graduate in graduate school. So I was late to like social media and that was awesome because I like, I'm like, well, this is free. I'll just write a bunch of stuff on here. So I post every day on our Instagram and the current rhythm I'm at now is actually posting three times a day. We do uh, a motivational quote. Then I do a post that features the podcast of the day and then just a general education Uh, kind of post. And that's essentially what I started doing as a form of advertisement was I posted some kind of education or something that I thought would help people every day. Mm -hmm. And my hope was that it would help them. And then it would also show them what I knew in the sense that if they knew that I knew that stuff, maybe I would know more stuff that would help them. And I remember laughing a little bit is when I started doing that, my dad actually asked, he goes, he's like, geez, are you sure that's smart? You're telling people like everything they need to know. And I'm like, it's going to be helpful in the sense that not everybody, uh, this is going to sound, I don't know if it's going to sound good or not, but people often know what they should do. They just don't do it. (laughs) So do we need motivation, accountability, maybe just somebody there to help answer some questions and make sense of it. So even if you were to give somebody all the information that they need, it's not only information that people need, they need motivation and they need accountability. So if I were to provide a lot of information, it would show people what I knew and it would show value, but then they might still hire me for the motivation and the accountability aspects, which has turned out to work out pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, that is kind of our main source of advertisement at this point is the podcast that I do and our social media channels on Facebook and Instagram. I don't go on Twitter, but my Instagram does like automatically connect to Twitter and whatever I post on Instagram goes to Twitter. So, um, but that's pretty much what I do for advertisement and trying to like build a gym. Yeah. We do have various times have like wait lists, which I, I still don't feel comfortable with that. Cause I feel bad telling people no. Uh, it's just for the benefit of the greater good uh, to to tell people like hey give me a month and see if somebody you know drops their membership or whatnot but um, but we do stay relatively full and paying bills uh, since day one so I'm very 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 lucky for that yeah perfect Mm -hmm. 
All right, cool. So um, tell us a little bit about what your sales process looks like. Tell us what happens, you know, when someone says like, hey, I'm interested in joining the gym up until, you know, the, the agreement is signed and they, they have become a member. What's that journey like for someone? Cool. Uh, so usually the gym is, uh, it's actually locked 24-7. It's locked all the time. And that's because I don't have staff or anybody that works at the gym that are like any time. So just myself, essentially. Like now my mom and my dad definitely help out a lot. Uh, but uh, I do run it kind of myself. So when somebody's interested, we have my phone number on the door. So they'll send me a text. And in my voicemail, it tells them, please do not leave a voicemail because I don't check my voicemails during the day. It just tells them to text me. Uh, so definitely like kind of that younger generation where I hate talking on the phone. So they'll text <laughs> me and they'll say like, hey, I want to join the gym. I then usually tell them like when I'll be at the gym over the next like week or so, because I do sometimes work during the, the day at the gym. Sometimes I work at home. And then if I just have a doctor's appointment or something where I can't be there, it's, it's nice not to be held accountable to the location. So I communicate with them. We find a good time for them to come. And then I see them in person. And one of the ways I tell them is, is I have to feel comfortable with everybody that's in here. My mother is actually one of the personal trainers at the gym. And I have to feel comfortable leaving the gym if that person and my mom are still in the gym. Right. So I know everybody's name. I know something about them, like, you know, like their wife and their kids or their husband or what their goals are. Like we do know a good bit about each individual person and uh, it just makes it feel much more comfortable. So when they come, I show them around. I kind of talk to them about what their goals are and get a feel for what they're like as a person. And then that decides whether we have an opening or not. <laughs> so sometimes those interviews don't go very well. And I'll tell them like, well, thank you for stopping in. Like, as uh, unfortunately right now, we're actually kind of full. So it might be a month or two until we have an opening. And I know that's me being a big fat jerk, but I don't, if I don't feel comfortable with somebody, it's not good to let them in because that negatively impacts the entire environment of the gym. If somebody's not, you know, kind of matching what we want. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I had three guys come in one time and one of the guys made a, a rude comment about um, like if there are like attractive girls in the gym. Oh, and yeah. I looked at him, I said, you realize every one of those women are somebody's mother, somebody's daughter, somebody's sister. So like an attitude like that is definitely not going to work here. So I actually kicked him out of the gym. But I, I said his two friends, I said, you're welcome to stay because you didn't say anything stupid yet. <laughs> but I said the other guy I said, you can wait outside. And I waited until he left the gym. Uh, the two friends actually joined the gym, which I thought was kind of funny. So they joined the gym, but that other guy was not allowed to join. And it's just making sure that that culture is set from the start when somebody joins. So they understand kind of what we want this environment to be. I, I want people to be hardcore and, you know, be dedicated and, and, like feel fired up and excited to lift, but they can't be, you know, dropping F-bombs all over the place. They can't be talking about, you know, wild adventures and whatnot. Uh, right. So I want to make sure it still stays a respectful place. Yeah. So long story, but that's essentially what happens. And then they can sign up and uh, we actually don't do any contracts. I just write their mm -hmm. information down on a note card. And then I submit it to the financial system that I have, like the financial company that does like my auto drafts and stuff. Mm -hmm. I put their information in that. And then whenever people want to cancel, they're welcome to cancel. They can stay as long as they want. So once you're a member, you're welcome to stay a member. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Perfect. I like that. I love the the high standards for the environment. I, yeah. I think that's amazing for sure. Um, okay, cool. So let's talk a little bit about some of your other offerings. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about, I know you guys have nutrition counseling and mm -hmm. online coaching. Tell us a little bit about those and then tell us about, you know, if you have any additional services, if you guys offer apparel sales, supplement sales, anything like that. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll do that in reverse order because it's a little easier for my brain. Um, supplements wise, we actually don't sell anything at the gym. One of my best friends actually owns a supplement store in town. And he was somebody who gave me a part-time job while I was in grad school. And it was very helpful for me as a sense of kind of supplementing my income. And I had seen as I worked for him, when other gyms in town would sell supplements or they would come in, like look and see what's on his shelf. Then all of a sudden they would sell that at their gym. And it was just a negative feeling. And I never wanted to do anything that hurt our friendship. So I never wanted to sell anything at the gym. And also, since I love being a personal trainer, I do not want to be, you know, a cash register uh, for people during the day. I want to train clients. I don't want to have my sessions interrupted by exchanging money or doing anything like that. So it's what's worked for me. It doesn't mean it's negative if other people do that. They can do whatever they want to do in their gyms. But I decided not to for those reasons. So we don't sell any supplements. And if somebody's local, I do usually recommend they go to him. He's insanely smart. It's incredibly smart. It's actually Steve Wayman of Rock Hill Nutrition, if anybody's listened to this in the local area. But super smart. And he's very honest with his pricing. Just a really good quality person. So I didn't want to do anything to hurt that friendship. And then for apparel... I actually can't stand doing t-shirt orders. However, I do do them uh, from time to time. The main reason why is it just interrupts me doing the stuff I do like to do, which is training people or working out myself. I have to answer emails or to go drive to the place and make sure the print looks the right way or the shirt's the right thing and just a bunch of crap I don't like to do. Uh, and I feel bad marking up the prices on the product when I know what I'm paying for it and then charging people who are my friends and who already pay a membership, I don't want to charge them extra cost. So I don't really make any money off the shirts either. So it's kind of like my own self-imposed negative, I guess. Like I could charge more and then that would pay for me to go do it. But I would rather my friends and the people at the gym save their money for more training because they need more training and nutrition advice than they need a t-shirt. So I want them to save their money. So I try not to do too much stuff that gets in the way of that. So we do uh, order shirts about once or twice a year against my will because people do like them. <laughs> so uh, yes, so we do have them and we typically make a, an order larger than what members need. So there's some hanging around all year that people can just like stop in and buy. So we have people who visit the gym and they love buying shirts if they're visiting. So I have learned to have some extras on hand so that way they can have them. And then with my online clients now, a lot of them, you know, they want to represent the gym. They want to offer some type of support. So I try to send shirts to them, uh, you know, at either free or just offer it to them like at cost. So there is some apparel sales, but it's not a significant portion of our income to any degree. Yes. yes. Then getting back to, I guess, the first part of the question <laughs> is uh, the other services we do is in-person training. So if somebody wants to be a member of the gym, I can, I'll train with them like maybe once a week, show them how to use the equipment, create a program for them. And then they can, 
you know, maybe after a month or two, if they feel confident, they can then go on their own and kind of work that program. Typically, the programs I write in those situations are what I call a, a template, meaning I'll teach them how to structure the workout and what category of movements would work best in what order and with what like sets and rep ranges and stuff but i teach them how to plug in their own exercises whatever they like or what we find is best for them so after a couple months they have a template a structure and then basically it's just kind of putting in whatever movements you feel like doing that day uh, or for that like cycle you know if you're doing like workouts in a row so some people will stay with us uh you know long term if they want the motivation the accountability they have the financial freedom and they like learning new things i've had clients you know since day one of the gym that i still work with i've actually had clients that i work with since before i opened the gym so that is an option they have is in person where they learn what they need to learn and then a month or two they go on their own or they can stay, you know, within that service. I also help people at our gym who go to other gyms. So we are actually right next to a Planet Fitness, which sounds crazy, but we share a wall with a Planet Fitness. Wow. And some people like the membership uh, cost there because it's a lot less than ours. <laughs> it's only $10 a month. So what they'll do is they'll come to our facility once or twice a week learn proper technique of different movements. We talk about nutrition, just motivation, accountability, lifestyle management, like how do you manage your schedule to still fit in healthy foods and training and stuff, but they still go work out at the other gyms. So that's kind of like our in-person. And then online clients, it's essentially anything, yeah. whatever they need, I try to help them with. So I do have certifications, like a corrective exercise specialist certification through NASM. And I used to work at the University of Pittsburgh Medical Center doing like rehab and stuff like that. So I have pretty good knowledge for kind of corrective type things. So I will work with people if they're having like shoulder pain, hip pain, you know, anything like that. I do help people with powerlifting. So I have athletes who are like elite uh, totals and powerlifting and have I've helped people earn like well over a hundred state records and whatnot. So we do some online coaching with that where we'll exchange videos. I write programming, nutrition and all that. And then I help people compete. I've helped people earn pro cards in both drug tested and non-tested organizations. And we do a lot of online clients with that where I write their training, their nutrition. We exchange photos for aesthetic, like kind of, um, yeah. you know, kind of like seeing where we need to build things and change the programming around based on that. And then we also exchange videos to see if technique is correct for targeting different areas of the muscle, make sure everything is pinpointed as it, as it needs to be. And then also I do do uh, physical therapy type work. So we have a little corner of our gym where I have like a physical therapy table and I have a lot of devices, actually some of them my dad and I made and designed ourselves. And I've worked with a lot of uh, Olympic athletes and actually some professional athletes. So we actually have um, in Rock Hill, South Carolina, they built a BMX track uh, for BMX riders. And we they hosted like the world uh, championships or something like that, like a couple of years back. So when the BMX teams were in town, one of them, one of the teams actually drove by Planet Fitness, realized it wasn't the gym that they would have been able to train at the way they like to train and on their way out of the parking lot they saw saw our gym and they stopped in so wow. it actually led to all of the teams coming and training at our facility and then i was able to help them with like different issues and movement issues and talk to the coaches about like explosive training and stuff and they actually gifted us with a jersey so we got a jersey yeah. from the french team and all the athletes signed it and then once all the other teams saw that they were like well this is bull crap you can't 
put up just the French team's jersey. So everybody gave me jerseys. So it's pretty cool. I got to work on like the gold medalists, you know, from the last Olympics and stuff. So it's been pretty fun to be able to do like a little mixture of everything and make sure yeah. I'm never bored, basically. Yeah. Right. Wow. Yeah. I know. It sounds like you have a lot of things going on. That's awesome. Jersey thing. That's super cool. <laughs> like, yeah. So it's really random, fun. cool thing. Like, yeah. Awesome. Um, all right, cool. So we talked, you know, we talked a little bit about how you got the gym started, talked quite a bit about what you're doing now. Um, let's shift our focus to the future now. What are your goals as far as the business is concerned over the next year or two? Cool. Uh, essentially, when I when I was in like kind of the the most invested time frame within the gym where it was consuming the most of my life, it was definitely a, a dream turned into a nightmare in the sense that when I was training 50 hours in person a week, that didn't include any of the time to write their training programs or the nutrition programs. So I had to do that outside of the 50 hours. I then had to clean the gym. I had to do all the posts and whatever I had to do for social media. I had to do the financial part of it. It was very, 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 very tiring. And most nights of the week, I actually slept just at the gym on the office floor. It's concrete with a cover, like a carpet over it. And it, felt like heaven at the end of the day, just laying down on that. So I um, slept a lot at the gym and just invested as much as I could to make sure it was successful. Mm -hmm. But after a couple of years of that, you reasonably get tired and it's like, oh my gosh, this isn't sustainable. Eventually I'd like to have a wife and kids. So what is that going to look like? I can't, you know, I can't be working 70 hours a week with wife and kids and have the relationship that I, I would want to have with them. So I started trying to figure out to make changes and ways in which to kind of free myself a little bit more from uh, all of that. Part of that included like price changes and increases. So a lot of my clients when I was training $20 an hour, they were all telling me, hey, you can't sustain this, you need to charge more. And it was funny to have my own clients telling me to charge them more money, but yeah. they could tell that that was the only way I was gonna stay in business and not get burnt out was if I charged them more money. So it was amazing. Um, at that time, I went from $20 an hour to $30 an hour and no one left. So I was like, well, crap, that was supposed to free up my schedule a little bit and nobody left. I went to $40 an hour and no one left again. <laughs> so I was like, dang it anyhow, <laughs> in the sense that like most people would be happy they're making more money. I was exhausted because it wasn't giving me any extra time. Uh, so I eventually had to just decide to kind of make my schedule what it was and choose to make less money, which sounds insane. It has actually led to me now making a lot more money, but it was initially a very hard choice. And what led to that choice was I was having a lot of just physical pain myself. I was standing 50 hours a week. So I had really bad plantar fasciitis. I had lost a lot of weight. It's really hard to eat because uh, my training sessions are an hour face-to-face -face with the person you're 100% on at all times. Yeah. So as I would finish with one person, the next person would be standing there ready to go for their session. So I might be able to excuse myself to run to the restroom for 30 seconds, but I'd be right back into the next person. Yeah. So I was training usually from about uh, seven in the morning till noon or one o'clock. I would go grab some food and then start back training again at 2 p.m. till like 8 p.m. And I just didn't have any time to eat. I didn't have time to train a lot. So I was really beat up and just kind of losing my own health. So I decided to just kind of cut my training and not start till 10 a.m. And I used the morning time to actually do my own uh, physical therapy. Yeah. 
at that time I had really bad plantar fasciitis, my back hurt, everything hurt. So I actually took two hours in the morning to just do physical therapy. And it actually did it for 60 days in a row until I got rid of the foot pain. So that was a lot of time invested. But that started opening up a little more time for me. And then I started kind of changing my evenings to not being available all evening. So I took like Friday nights off. Then I eventually took Saturdays off. And it led to me where I felt like I was starting to get a schedule now where I'd have time to date. So actually, uh, you didn't ask me about this, but I'm going to tell you anyhow. I actually went uh, online dating because when the hell was I supposed to meet anybody? Uh, it was, I was either at the gym or at a grocery store or at church. And when I went to church, it was actually my best friend. He was the pastor at the church and he actually owned the church. So I actually ran the slides and did the lights and like the PowerPoint and stuff for him. So it wasn't a, a, a moment in which you get to meet a lot of people. And then also after being active and meeting people and talking to people face to face all week, the last thing I wanted to do at the end on the weekends was talk to people. <laughs> so. Hey. The church was not as much of a social uh, time to meet people as I as people might have thought of it. So I started online dating, and I believed at that time I had the time to start doing it. I was very blessed, and I received the best gift of my entire life, which was to meet my now wife. Uh, when I, I joke with her now, when I saw her profile, uh, she's very pretty in my opinion, and I think anybody who saw her would agree with that. But when I saw her profile, I actually thought it was like, like catfish or I thought it was like, like, there's no way this is person's actually on like a dating site. So I actually went to scroll past them, like past her. Cause uh, I'm like, it's probably a guy or something. Right. Knows? Yeah. So then I was like, after I scrolled, I was like, well, just in case, let me go back. So I, I scrolled back up and found her and sent her a message. And then now here we are, we're married. Wow. Um, <laughs> but when we started dating that even furthered the goal of creating more time uh, outside of the gym and then that coincided with um, 2020 happening, where I needed to do more online anyhow. Mm -hmm. So I've been lucky in the sense that it's all happened kind of sequentially in a very convenient order for me. So thank you, God. Um, I met her in halfway through 2019 and then started kind of figuring out how to do it better, like how to create more time. Then when uh, COVID hit in the beginning of 2020, that furthered that for us, she actually got to work from home. So I wanted to work from home even more. So now we got even yeah. more time together. So it's transitioned now to where um, accountability wise, I probably only need to be at the gym about 10 hours a week now. And the lot of the rest of it is online or if I just want to be at the gym and do extra sessions or like I'll have people like message me and say, hey, Rob, you know, my back's hurting. Would you mind meeting me at the gym? And they're like a friend of a client or somebody I've never met. So I'll meet them and do like a therapy session for them and help them out. So it gives me some extra time for that. And then all my online work I can do uh, either at the gym or I can do at home. So that has been the transition to that service of online work mm -hmm. and how the gym now, what I want to do with the future of it. So after 40 minutes, I'll finally get to the answer of your question is um, what I want to do with the future is just continue to build it in a way that I have uh, more freedom to not be stuck at the gym if I don't want to be. Now, I love the gym. That's why I own it and I build it. Uh, but it is nice to have freedom to do what you want to do with your life. And I'm blessed to have that along with good income and loving and doing what I love. So very blessed. So what I want to do now is just continue to grow my online client work. 
continue to refine who I work with in person and make sure they're very dedicated uh, and just fun people. Like it doesn't even matter if they're doing amazing things. Mm -hmm. They can be brand new to lifting, but if they're a good person to be around and they have fun energy, that's who I want to give myself to like in-person sessions since they're more limited now. Mm -hmm. uh, but that is essentially the future that I want to have is train during the day while my wife's working and then be home at night with my wife. Yeah, perfect. Awesome. I love that. Um, well, it looks like we are out of time here, Robert. So, you know, thank you so much for being here with us today. And before we go, for all of our listeners out there, um, give yourself a shout out. What's your website? Where can we find you on social media? Where can we find your podcast? Okay, well, thank you. Uh, so we do have a website, www.brutalirongym.com. It's a pretty easy name. <laughs> and then uh, the podcast, I actually do the podcast every single day. We have over a thousand episodes. We have over 150,000 downloads. So good amount of information. <laughs> and um, I host it through Podbean, the Podbean platform, but it should be available on pretty much any podcast platform. If you search Brutal Iron Gym, hopefully you'll find it. And we talk about nutrition, training, uh, mindset, and then we do Q&A. So any listener can send in any question and I'll give you an answer for free in a podcast. Our podcast average between 20 to 40 minutes. And I just answer whatever in the world I think might help people. So it's kind of listener driven, whatever they want to learn about, I'll talk about. And then on Instagram, I post every day. So that would be a good place to check us out. And again, it's just under the name Brew Iron Gym. You can find me anywhere else, but I'm probably not posting on there much. <laughs> so <laughs> podcasts and Instagram seem to keep me busy enough. So that's where I have my focus. All right, perfect. And to all of our listeners out there, thank you for spending some time with us today as well. We hope you found some value in my conversation with Robert here. If you'd like to hear more, be sure to click the subscribe button. And if you'd like to be featured on the podcast, click the link in the description, fill out the form, and a member of the team will be in touch as soon as possible. This has been another episode of the Gym Lords podcast. We'll see you on the other side. Gym Lords out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, Tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.